0: This week's episode is brought to you by K16 Solutions. Whether you need help migrating course content to a new LMS platform, or are looking for a more affordable way to archive student data, visit k16solutions.com to learn more about their migration and archiving solutions. That's k16solutions.com. Hello, and welcome to the EdSurge Podcast, where every week we explore the future of learning. I'm Jeff Young, the managing editor here at EdSurge. The cost of college keeps climbing, and students are taking on more and more debt to go. Lots of people are noting that the cost has hit crisis level.
1: Collectively, Americans owe more than $1.7 trillion in student loan debt. If that were the GDP of a country, that would be the ninth largest economy in the world. It seems a little excessive to me. The average amount of debt that a college graduate has today is is nearly $40,000, and that amount grows every single year.
0: That's Matthew Scogin, and he knows this issue well because he runs a liberal arts college where tuition is more than $30,000 a year. He is president of Hope College in Michigan, and he is pitching what he sees as a solution. It's a radical new approach to paying for college that rips up the standard playbook of charging students tuition, and giving some students discounts in the
1: form of scholarships. And our ambition is to eliminate tuition as the way we fund higher education. What we're imagining at Hope is not a pay-as-you-go model, and it's not a pay-it-back model. What we're imagining is a pay-it-forward model.
0: He made the picture hearing earlier this month at the South by Southwest EDU conference in Austin. The key to this new model, it boils down to one word, gratitude. In practical terms, it means giving students a college education for free at no charge and hoping that students will pay it all back in donations over the course of their lifetimes. This approach of simply just asking every student to pay what they think is fair, you'd probably think that would make it challenging to balance books. But Skogan is someone who knows money. He spent much of his career on Wall Street. And he says he has crunched the numbers And thinks it can work. He's even convinced the college's board to try it. In a program they're calling Hope Forward. So far, this is just a small pilot project with 20 students. But the college says it is committed to switching completely to a voluntary tuition model in the coming years. If they can raise enough money in their endowment to give a cushion to get it all started. I have been covering higher ed for for more than 20 years and I have got to say, I have never heard anything like this. So I just had to talk to Skogan about the plan and about how the pilot project is going. I sat down with this college president right after his talk at South by EDU. And I started by asking him to explain how this unusual payment model works.
1: Yeah, so the big idea is pretty simple, but we think there's real depth to it. So the idea is essentially, can we have a pay it forward funding model for college? So the two prevailing funding models today are pay as you go, where you pay your college or university at the start of every semester, or a pay it back model where you pay a bank or a lender after you graduate. And most people, of course, fund it through some combination of the two. And we're essentially asking the question, could we have a pay it forward model where students come to Hope, they don't pay anything up front, their tuition is funded by the gifts of others, and they then make a commitment to give something to Hope after they graduate every year. And um, another way to think about it is a a crowdfunded model so that our alumni would be crowdfunding our current students. And what we're trying to do is actually not work within the current Structure, but imagine an entirely new structure—an entirely new structure that moves away from tuition entirely uh, as a funding model. Because we think the tuition model is not just broken; we think it actually does some toxic things for um, f- for the learning environment.
0: You're basically not just for making a, a better scholarship deal or right. or, or right. saying like we want to get the cost down. That's right. But it sounds like you're really trying to change the the metaphor,
1: I guess, in a way
0: or the narrative around what's happening when a. A student goes to a nice liberal arts college. Yeah,
1: it's, I, Hope Forward is changing the business model for sure. We actually think it's, uh, in a dramatic way, changing the culture of our campus environment, changing the kind of relationship we can have with students, moving away from the consumer mindset, uh, moving away from a transactional relationship where students pay us a lot of money, get a, get a degree, and then move on with their lives. By definition, students who come to Hope as part of Hope Forward are committing to have this lifelong engagement with Hope. So it's not a four-year relationship. It's this lifelong partnership. And we think that creates interesting accountability on both sides. The students feel the weight of the commitment they've made. And we, too, feel skin in the game because we are now highly incentivized to help our students be successful after they graduate. So, yes, it changes the business model. But we're excited about what it does um, in lots lots of other areas as well.
0: Um, you mentioned, I think you used the word toxic about like what's wrong with the current model. Why, what is what is wrong with, you know, uh, a student paying for, for college?
1: The obvious way that has a negative effect is around accessibility. So there's just too many students who can't find their way into higher education because the price deters them from it, or they purchase access to higher education through debt. And then that debt um, is a burden. And we also see that that is skewing the kind of things students are doing after they graduate. It's pushing students to pursue, to chase income rather than pursuing impact. Um, so that may mean they go into a different profession than they would have. So,
0: like, Is that what you mean?
1: Yes. So uh, w- where it gets toxic is, I mean, so we're a liberal arts college, and we, uh, we actually believe part of our purpose is to help our students discover their purpose. And if higher education is totally transactional in mindset and in relationship— In other words, if our only purpose is to help our students get a great job, then academic disciplines like accounting, and no offense to accountants, but academic disciplines like accounting are going to win over the classics or over philosophy every single time. And yet it might be the case that a student will study philosophy or study uh, the classics and discover their purpose there. So uh, there's, I think there's just an interesting, because the price is so high and because student debt has become so high, it's pushing students to chase income. And that's one reason it's toxic. Another reason it's toxic is because it creates this uh, consumer mindset, this customer mindset. Um, As we talk about at Hope, um, and it's interesting for me because I came from the business world. I spent 11 years working on Wall Street before this job. And I think in the business context, the customer relationship works fairly well. I think it's very toxic if you start to view students as customers. So we all know the phrase, the customer is always right. I think it's toxic if you have to view your student as always being right. It creates a sense of entitlement. I think grade inflation is related to that. I just think there are lots of um, ripple effects around the consumer mindset, around the customer mindset. Uh, that's all a function of tuition as the funding model. Uh, I think all of those things are just are, are unhealthy to a productive learning environment.
0: It sounds like you're even hearing, and I've heard this from other college leaders,
1: um, people say, like, well, I'm paying you a lot. I need to have it this way. Oh, so, totally. Yeah. The, the, the amount of times students or families will appeal to their tuition bill in order to get what they want, uh, it's astounding. I mean, it's, it comes up in nearly every conversation where a student will say, I'm paying you X thousand dollars a year, so I should get uh, what I want. Or a, 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 a parent will say, I'm, you know, I'm paying you the full sticker price, so my student should get uh, the best living arrangement you've got. And so it's creating this, actually, this sense of entitlement, um, and I think that's contributing to this crazy arms race we're seeing where too many colleges are trying to recruit students to their campus based on amenities, luxury dining halls and, and lazy rivers and all these things that are totally ancillary to the point of college, which I, I think ought to be about education at the end of the day. So um,
0: I'm curious about the, the nuts and bolts of it, right? Because yeah. it's, it's a fascinating idea. What does it cost right now to go to your college if I'm a student?
1: Um, uh, tuition is around thirty seven thousand dollars, and then uh, room and board adds another eleven thousand to that, which is absolutely in line with, with colleges yeah, in your yeah.
0: class of, uh, of totally. college. That's right. Yeah, and um, that's a lot of money. It is. It's a lot of money to gift or whatever you want to you know oh. like call to call it to somebody. So what? How do you how do you make sure students actually pay? Right. Like I'd, I'm sure a lot of people would hear this and be like,
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll promise to pay. <laughs> right. Yeah, so they're signing a commitment, uh, and the commitment I sign it and they sign it. So I think oh, maybe it feels like it's got some weight to it because the president has signed it and they're signing it. And the commitment is that they're going to give something to Hope every year after they graduate. We'll of course remind them of that commitment if they're not um, if they're not um, uh, following up on it. But you know, at the end of the day, it's not a legal contract. Uh, we're not going to send the repo man after you if you haven't given to Hope. So we understand. Yeah, there might be some free riders, but I, I think at the end of the day. Um, we're pretty optimistic and we've got their four years while they're at Hope, to really instill this mindset of giving into them. And I think at the end of the day, students are are taking this pretty seriously. Um, we haven't talked about – so we haven't really talked about how we can switch from a tuition-based model to this gift-based model. Um, we think it could be really big. But for right now, we're testing it with a small group of students. So we have 22 students on our campus right now who are living into this. And what we're seeing with these 22 students is they're taking this commitment incredibly seriously. Like they'll come up to me and say, "How do I, how do I budget for a life of giving? Um, another student asked me last week, can I thank the donors who have given to this program? So like these they stu- they've only completed one semester of college mm-hmm. and these students are already oriented around gratitude and generosity. So I just, I, I'm optimistic it's going to work. And, um, you know, we are a, a place called hope. And so I think we enter into these kind of, uh, these kind of conversations with a hopeful mindset that, yeah, maybe there's going to be some free riders. Maybe there's going to people be some people who take advantage of it. At the end of the day, I think those will be the, the exceptions, not the rule.
0: Are you changing your admissions requirement? I mean, this would also make it a very different opportunity to get into Hope College as as this picks up. I understand right now it's in a pilot stage. But, yeah. but it sounds like your intent is to raise enough money to potentially make this the whole campus, right? Yes. yes. And how soon do you even imagine that might happen?
1: I, like, I think okay. it's not going to be anytime soon. I think it's probably a decade, maybe longer than that uh, project to get to get um, from where we are today to whole, all of our 3,000 students living into this.
0: Because the goal for your in- raising
1: is is what? We need to raise a billion dollars in our endowment to, uh, to to flip the switch. So you can think with of a B. it, a B. Uh, it's, yeah, with a B. So it's a, it's a it's a substantial amount of money for sure. Uh, it's a, it's uh, it's an amount of money that we can raise. Though. We I mean, look, if you other look, other colleges the US, have raised. Oh, billions. oh lots. Of, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting question. So you could ask a college president who has a billion dollar endowment what they're doing with it. We're trying to raise our endowment so that we can spend all of it on access and affordability. Lots of colleges have endowments where they could afford to do this today and they're not doing it. So that's a different question, an interesting question, not a question I can answer. But I've said this before. Most of higher education knows there's a problem with the business model. The interesting thing is that very few places are doing anything creative about it. And we're just trying to raise our hand high, saying we've got an idea. We think it could be really big, but we're going to test it first. And if it works here, I think it could work at a lot of places. After the break. Why the college believes
0: that shifting to this unusual payment model will lead to changes in every office in the institution. Stay with us. What do Northeastern University, Rutgers, Wake Forest University, CSU Fullerton, and St. Mary's University of Minnesota all have in common? Well, they and dozens of other institutions around the globe have used K-16 solutions to help them migrate to their new LMS. Gone are the days of burdening faculty with manually moving LMS content, or paying for a white glove service. Both options are archaic, riddled with errors requiring a tremendous amount of course reconstruction, and both are manual processes. Introducing Scaffold by K16 Solutions. Scaffold is a revolutionary product that allows you to move online content from one LMS to another in real time. Capturing details such as course structure, quizzes, tests, and even question pools using sophisticated but simple automation. Scaffold replaces what used to be a manual resource-intensive operation, transforming LMS course migration into a quick, accurate, and affordable process. Most importantly, Scaffold migration requires little to no manual intervention by faculty, staff, or anyone else. To learn more about K16 Solutions' automated LMS migration solutions, visit k16solutions.com. That's K16solutions.com. Now back to the episode. You know, my college, probably all of our colleges, you went to Hope, yeah. um, ask us for money already. Right. Um, but it's, and it's, it's actually presented to me as like, I really need it. Like, that's how it. I, and in, in a way it's very similar. It's like people gave to get, to make it subsidized for me and therefore I should give to make it because, because obviously I I do not think I paid full price like I know I had financial aid and I so I certainly didn't pay what it cost right and I I guess how is this different because I think different alumni give very differently because they have different amount of money to give frankly yeah Um, Yeah. So how is this really
1: different? Yeah, Yeah, We we try to make a distinction between scholarships and what we're talking about. Scholarships are essentially discounting tuition. You're still on a tuition-based model, but you've received a scholarship to reduce the price. What we're talking about is just an entirely different way of funding it. Like I said, it's this sort of crowdfunded model, this model where you're funding it through gifts, not paying bills. Too many students who... Uh, can find their way into college just find their way through some combination of scholarships and debt and um, this is a model that puts every student at the same place where they start, we just we have ethical problems with charging students an extraordinary amount of money at the lowest, the poorest point of their life before they've uh, received any benefit of their of their education. And so, what we're talking about is: can we fund this while you're in your earnings years? Can we fund this while you're actually enjoying the benefits of the education we gave you? And so I, I I I think it's an entirely different model. It's not scholarships. It's not tuition. It's moving away from that entirely to something that's gift based, not bill paying based. I do wonder in your
0: projections, because as you you said, yeah. you come from the business world, you've yeah. probably put this on paper totally. instead of just wish. Um, how much then do you, do you think that people on the Hope Forward program will end up paying? the thirty or whatever
1: more $1,000 over the course of their lives as they do this yearly gift? I think some of them will pay a lot more than that. I think some of them will feel so grateful for the education that we gave them that they'll in the end, over the course of their lifetime, end up paying a lot more. Um, gratitude creates a cycle of generosity and uh, we're excited about what that might mean. I think some students will 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 pay different amounts, and so we're kind of going into that eyes wide open. Uh, and we've modeled it, of course, and so we kind of have some expectations of uh, of what we think we uh, what what we think is going to happen. Um, but again, the whole point of a pilot group is we're we're stepping into this with a small group of students so we can test and learn and potentially course correct along the way if we need to.
0: Yeah, because it's going to take a while to really prove your thesis. That's right, like a generation.
1: Yeah, we'll know a lot more after a couple of decades. So this is an interesting when the board interesting thing. When I'm forty two. uh, the average age of a college president in the United States today is 62. And when the board hired me three years ago, one of the things they talked about is we'd like you to stay a long time so that you can do some things that have a, a long-term mindset to them. So I could theoretically do this job for three decades and we'll know a lot in three decades about how this is working. <laughs> okay. So you're, 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 you're committing your time potentially to really stick I, I with it. I love this. Where I'm passionate about this place and I believe in this idea. How did you come up with it? Like, What is it that sparked that? Well, I mean, I think we had been talking—I had been on the board of HOPE before they invited me to serve as the president, and we'd been talking for a long time about um, these questions, questions around the business model and what we could do about it. And so I think we took the set, We took a set of questions and observations about the broken business model, and then um, we went to our mission. So we have a, a Christian mission at HOPE, and I think in an interesting way— um, that helped inform uh, this this idea. So it turns out the Bible talks about money all the time. Mm-hmm. The Bible basically says the purpose of money is to give it away. And we said, what if we could apply that mindset to our business model? We do it with what we have, our education. We give it away. And then we ask students to do the same in return. Um, the Bible creates this sort of upside-down economy where it says it's the poor and the lowly and the meek who are actually closest to God. And so we said, as a Christian institution, we think we ought to be pushing hardest around accessibility and affordability. And the overall message of the gospel is you're covered. Now go and live differently. Your sins are covered, Jesus says. Now go and live a different kind of life. And that's what we want to say to our students. You're covered. Your tuition is covered. You don't have any student loan bills. Now go and live differently. Live a different kind of life. So that's how we got there. We started with observations about the broken business model of higher ed. We looked at our mission. And after essentially two years of conversations, we landed. At this this hope forward model, because I know that there's um,
0: there's a, a a statement in a lot of these issues of money and education where yep. people talk about making sure students have skin in the game or that you know mm. everybody has skin in the game. And in this way, the students aren't paying anything. So are they? Is there a chance that they will feel less connected to the to the experience while they're in it?
1: I actually think the opposite opposite is going to be true. So the number one critique I get of Hope Forward is exactly what you just articulated. People will say students won't appreciate their education because they don't have skin in the game. They won't take it seriously because they haven't paid for it. Well, the reality today is because tuition is so expensive, very few students are paying for it. It's usually the parents that are paying for it. Um, And there's research that now shows a negative correlation between parental contribution and grades. So in other words, the more parents pay for your college education – your grades go down. It means that basically with the current model, students actually take it less seriously because it's not their money. It's their parents' money. Whereas with Hope Forward, students have committed to give their own money, their own hard-earned money after they graduate. So we actually think, and this is one of the things that we'll be observing over the next few years, we actually think students might feel more skin in the game, not less. We think students might take, take their education more seriously, not less seriously, because they've made that commitment. And I think they'll feel the weight of that commitment yeah I mean it, it makes me think too of something we've covered a lot at ed Surge, which
0: is the ISA the income share sure. agreement yeah. which is another creative solution to funding college high price of college and in that one just to, for for listeners who don't know they you know a, a, a student doesn't pay up front right. and then they commit mm-hmm. on paper with an actual contract that's right where they are they are yeah, it's not at all fuzzy they they, right. they pay back on a plan and if they aren't in a job they might be able to get off of You know, like opt out for a few years while they're if they don't have employment. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's meant to map to when they are benefiting, right? To when they are that they are getting their career. Why not just you know, why not do it that way where it's very clear what's going to be given back and when? And yet it still might have the, the, some of the benefits of what you're describing.
1: It's a great question. I'm a fan of ISAs. I think they're a really interesting and creative tool. And we looked at that. And um, in the course of our sort of two-year conversation about Hope Forward, that was one of the things we considered. And I talked to a lot of people um, at, at schools that, 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 um, that have used ISAs. At the end of the day, here's where we landed. Um, while ISAs, I think, are a really interesting tool, to me, it just feels like a different flavor of student loans. It's this commitment. um, It's this bill-paying mindset. And we're trying to totally move away from that. We're trying to move to this gift economy, this economy where uh, we say we're going to fund this through generosity. And I think one of the things that we're excited about is, and we talked about this briefly earlier in the conversation, just this accountability. Like, the accountability that we as an institution will feel to make our education so good that students feel grateful for it, and similarly the accountability that our students will have because they know they 're signing up for a lifelong relationship to hope it 's not through some other lender it 's not through some other isa provider it 's to hope so there 's um, there's the, the direct relationship that we get to have with our students whereas with isas it 's through a, usually through an interme- intermediator
0: so you have these twenty two students right now at, that are on this idea. Mm-hmm. And what have you learned so far in this in this cohort? And first of all, like, are they
1: um, how are they chosen? Maybe even. Oh, that's a great question. So the um, the uh, selection process was all based on impact. So the uh, essay prompt was: we asked them to write an essay about an area of hopelessness that they want to bring hope to, and then the finalists did a Zoom presentation on the same essay prompt. Um, that was last year. This year, we actually got to do some in-person uh, uh, finals presentations. Yeah. So, yeah, it was all based on that. It was based on um, uh, impact. It was based on bringing hope to hopelessness. We had a 3.0 uh, GPA floor, so we wanted it, we wanted there to be um, some GPA minimum, but we didn't want it to be uh, too high. We wanted it to be somewhat selective, but we also wanted it to be – we wanted the main criteria to be this, this idea of impact, this idea of student who's motivated to bring hope to hope to the world. You want the,
0: the students to finish the college, too, right I mean, you know, what I mean, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah right, a, a, right, certain a certain level of like, like you're going to make it.
1: That's right. Although um, you know, we like let's say a student comes to hope and something something comes up, maybe a, a, a personal situation or something comes up and they end up not finishing. We would still consider that person, even though they don't have a degree. We're, they're still part of our family. We still sort of consider that person an alum in some respects. So um, the way we've talked about this with students is like the commitment holds, uh, even if even you don't if you finish. Yeah, okay. right, yeah, right, right. Interesting. And in a similar way, they could come back and finish. Like, like I said, it's this lifelong commitment that they've made and we've made with them at the beginning of their of their college education.
0: I wonder, do you – I started to ask this earlier and then I, I got off on a sidetrack. I wonder, you know, if you – when you have this yeah. to the whole college, getting into your college will feel like maybe a a, a, a lottery win in the outset uh, in some ways, even though you're you're mm-hmm. saying we expect you to pay back. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you feel like you'll get a different – Uh, you know, a different type of student or if it'll become more competitive or there'll be some sort of difference that happens with admissions.
1: I think all that's going to happen. I think the cool opportunity we're going to have is our admissions is going to shift from recruiting to curating. So today, we're trying to find enough students to pay us enough tuition to keep the lights on every year. And that's true at our institution, and it's true at every single institution. It's a sales job. With Hope Forward, we're going to get to curate. Our class is around 800 students. And so we're going to get to curate the most vibrant, diverse set of 800 learners that one could imagine. And we're excited about that. It's a totally different kind of mindset. Um, It's a mindset of what's the most vibrant learning environment we can architect. And that's, uh, yeah, it's a a dramatic shift for admissions. But we're excited about the opportunity that will give us.
0: Do you think it'll make you more selective? Maybe that's not your reason not to be, you know, I cover higher ed for a while. People care about their selectivity.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends on how you define selectivity. I think we're going to maintain our selection based on this idea of impact, bringing hope to hopelessness. Because ultimately, that's what we want. We want to be graduating students who are motivated to... Go after the world's problems and bring hope to the world's problems. So, yeah, I suppose you could, if you define that as selectivity, like we're not going to just pick the smartest kids, the kids with the best uh, GPAs and test scores. We're going to pick the kids who uh, want to have impact, and we believe that they're going to have a real chance to uh, chance to change the change the world.
0: What if someone does want to go into a a field that is the high-paying um, job that is—I I don't
1: know. I'm just trying to. It's great too. I mean, it's like I spent 11 years on Wall Street. I mean, yeah. I, there's nothing against business. There's nothing against that. What we have a problem with is students who have a passion for something, but they feel like they can't go after it because their tuition bills or, or their their debt bills rather are so high. And so often I hear students, and one of the questions I always ask. So I'll go into the dining hall two or three times a week, and I have three questions I always ask the students, and I, I like to ask the same question so that I can get the compare. And contrast. And one of the questions I always ask is, what do you want to do after you graduate? And I always use the word want. And so often I get these responses. And again, because we're a, you know, we're a mission-based school, so we're a Christian school. So we, um, you know, that may, um, that may self-select in some ways, but I'll, I'll have students say, well, what I want to do is Doctors Without Borders or the Peace Corps or Teach for America or, um, you know, some kind of nonprofit work. That's what I want to do, but I've got $25,000 of debt. So I'm going to become a, whatever, consultant." until I pay off my debt, and then I'll pursue the kind of impact I want to have. Well, we both know that if you spend 10 years a consultant, like, you're down a path that's pretty, f- you're down a path pretty far, and at that point, it's hard to change. It's not impossible, but it's hard to change.
0: Yeah, so the odds are you might stick it out, you know, yeah, you might right. never do the doctors of right. orders or, or okay. the Teach for America. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean, I think it's really, I think it's really interesting. I mean, it's very optimistic. Mm. Um, I would say Hopeful. hopeful. I would say-
1: we make a distinction between optimism and hope.
0: What are your? Yeah, I mean, what are you? What would make it a success? You know, is, is there a metric that ten years from now, twenty years from now, that you see as like this is? It, where, is it? Is it a dollar sign of like percentage give back by the students who've gone through it, or oh, yeah. like what? What? What will you do to
1: say like, oh, we definitely want to We're doing it. We we, we proved our point. Like yeah. we we're gonna keep yeah. it. Yeah. I think it's, uh, yeah, uh, evidence that the students are giving, that they feel the weight of the commitment they made and they're following up on it. Evidence that the students are using their education to pursue impact in all the ways we would define and measure that. Um, And uh, I mean, the most obvious thing, and I think we've already proven this, but the most obvious thing is, will students actually do this? Like, will there be interest in it? And when we uh, announced last year that we were going to have a pilot group of this, I think some of us were like, well, let's see, let's see if any student is willing to make that commitment. And it turns out we had a lot of people apply. And um, and so we had the joy of you know kind of going through a, a selection process, but that was the that was the first uh, the the first fork in the road is are our students even going to be interested in this? And the answer is yes. So that closed you know that closed down that 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 question. And I think um, I think we're gonna uh, we're gonna learn a lot over the next few years.
0: What do you think is the biggest challenge to making this come true?
1: Uh, so the obvious one is the amount of money we have to raise. I, I think. Um, The this might even be a bigger challenge than that, which is just the mindset shift. I mean, the kind of the conversation we're having, it's just a it's it's such a mindset shift, mindset shift for higher education to move from this bill paying model, this transactional model to a gift based model. And um, I think there's, I mean, we talked about the impact that's going to have on admissions. I think one of the things we've been talking about as a leadership team is just sort of looking at every single office, every single division, every single department, how is Hope Forward going to impact this department? And it's dramatic in every, in every office. So the cultural shift, I think, is, um, is is significant. Give me some examples
0: in every office. You know, I, I can imagine, I think, but like, I want to make sure you've thought about this more than me. Like, what are some examples?
1: Uh, So, I mean, um, having a uh, – the obvious one is a more diverse student population, so a more socioeconomically diverse student population, a more geographically diverse student population, a more racially diverse. All of that's going to create challenges, and uh, we just need to be prepared for uh, a student body that is different than the student body we have today. Um, I think uh, making sure that we're uh, thoughtfully – preparing students and guiding them through what it means to be a generous person And we, like, that. that's where the burden is on us. So in my view, if students graduate from Hope through the Hope Forward program and they're not giving, like, I blame myself. Like, we were the ones, that's on us to have cultivated that mindset of giving. And so we've got four years. We've got the four years while they're on campus to cultivate that mindset. And we've got to be prepared for it. We've got to have the right structure, the right um, classes, the right right framework in place for that. So, yeah, I mean, I think those are... Those are a few examples, but I think you can, you know, you can kind of go through, go through every office and and just sort of think. Um, like I said, I've been asking every leader to to look in a mirror and say, how is, um, is this going to affect my area and what should I be doing now? The good news is because we're starting small, uh, but our ambition is to go big. Uh, we've got some time to prepare, but uh, I want to be ready once we're once we're uh, once we're at the point to to flip the switch.
0: And there isn't any other college that does this at the moment, right?
1: Oh, not really uh, there's there's other places that do some creative things around uh, around tuition so berea College has a tuition free model they too ask their students to make a commitment it's a little bit different than what we're talking about theirs is a work college model so they the students the commitment students make there is to work at the college um, they have a, a farm and you know students work in the dining halls and and so students make the the commitment to work there it's a little different than what we're talking about but it's, it's not Completely dissimilar. Um, I wish there were more examples. I wish I knew of, of other examples out there, but um, I don't. Maybe there are. Maybe there are others that I don't know of. Um, and we think this could be—we think this could be a model that works at works at other places.
0: Yeah, you said models. You think this actually could be a way that a lot of colleges could do, could, yeah. could do in the future? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah I, do, I do. In the future, mm-hmm. um, and, and
1: not even necessarily only religious colleges. I, pre- I presume, right? I mean, I think for us this is this is uh, inextricably linked to our mission. But, uh, like, uh, you don't have to believe in God to believe that generosity works. Like, <laughs> it, I just think it's going to work. I think it's a universal principle that works. And so, yeah, I think it could be a model that works at lots of lots of places. And
0: what what is the most surprising thing that's happened with maybe with the 22 students you have there or uh, as you've gone about, you know, trying yeah, to sell okay. this idea or encourage this
1: idea? It, 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 great question. I, I don't think there's, any, there's been anything that's like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. But I'll just say that at every turn so far, and we're early into this experiment, but at every turn, uh, it's been better than I thought it was going to be. We had more students interested in the cohort than I thought. The students, like I said, they've only completed one semester. They're midway through their second semester now. They just get it. They get it um, with uh, greater depth than I thought they would at this point in their college education. Like I said, they're already talking about generosity and gratitude. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think that I'm impressed by the students. I'm impressed by how they get it. Um, I'm impressed by the early momentum. We just launched this in July of last year. We've already raised $40 million, so we need to raise a billion. That's a lot, but we've got some points on the board. We've got $40 million worth of points on the board, and so I'm just encouraged. I'm encouraged by the momentum. I'm encouraged by the – I think the opportunity we have is – there's so much pent up demand for innovation in higher education. Everybody knows the model is not working. And I think the opportunity we have is to say, let us try this. Let us be the guinea pig that raises our hand saying we're going to try something. And uh, if enough people get behind us to see if this can work, I, I'm pretty optimistic. I'm pretty hopeful. I should have <laughs> correct myself there.
0: Well, thank you so much for sharing. Yeah,
1: thanks for having me. It's a fun conversation. Yeah, I look forward to seeing how this turns out. Yeah, thanks very much. We'll have to have you back. It sounds good. (laughs) In 30 years.
0: (laughs) This has been the Ed Search Podcast. Every week, we bring you conversations like this one about innovations in education. If you like the show, please show your gratitude by giving us a five-star rating or leaving a review on whatever app you use to listen to the EdSearch podcast. And you can keep up with everything we're doing by subscribing to the EdSurge podcast newsletter. You can go to edsurge.com, click on the word newsletter at the top right. It includes links to more information about every topic we cover. This episode was written and produced by me, Jeff Young. Music this episode by Rowan Jane. We'll be back next week with more on the future of learning. Thanks for listening.